0: hey everyone welcome to superwomen my guest today is jen cohen bogan the founder of blue Jay bikes they're electric bicycles which i'm really excited to talk about so welcome jen i'm so glad to talk to you today hi
1: thank you so much for having me i'm excited to be here
0: so I'd love for you to sort of give me your backstory and history. Have you always been a fitness enthusiast or, or are you more of someone who likes, you know, sees holes in the market and then says, okay, I'm going to create something from that?
1: It's definitely more of the latter. I have, I would not consider myself um, certainly not a cyclist. And my level of fitness enthusiasm is sort of comparable with, I think, your average kind of person who wants to stay healthy and fit. But it has never been a driving passion in my life. But I am someone who observes opportunities or gaps and has, I guess, found a way to bring that to market. And it was always a dream and a passion of mine to create something of my own. And I think that when this lightning sort of struck, when I rode an e bike for the first time, I knew that this was the moment and this was sort of what I had been building for. Uh, But my career has been definitely not a straight line and I have worked in multiple industries. And I actually started, it's really strange, but I actually started working in in healthcare. I was a consultant and I was assigned to essentially um, biotech and pharma clients and I was just thinking about this today. Strangely, I worked on a pandemic preparedness case back in the early 2000s and of course I thought it was a little bit boring and just I wasn't really excited about the healthcare industry and was kind of like how did I how did I get here? And so I went to business school really thinking okay, I want to I want to make a change in my career path and I'm going to use that as an opportunity to talk to a lot of different people in different jobs and figure out what, you know, what really is more of my passion. And that set me on actually a path of going into um, fashion and ultimately beauty, uh, which is what I was doing before I started Blue Jay Bikes. So I am a, I was an outsider coming into the fashion industry and, um, and then later an outsider coming into the bike industry. So I think that that but being an outsider has advantages and, and disadvantages. But I think from my whole career, I've, I've, I've been that way. And um, it certainly, I think, has provided more benefit and definitely in the case of Blue Jay bikes. So coming into to fashion and my reason for, for switching and that was because I felt that I was really someone who that that's what I loved to read about and I was really interested in, but at that moment in time, I said, "I want to do something with my career that I think is is fun, and that I feel like I could be interested in every day and and switching even even at that point in my career, I went to bloomingdale's they had just started an m b a program which was essentially the same as the uh, undergraduate program. So I, I felt like I was, I was coming in and I was about to turn 30 and I was like, I'm going to write a blog called "I'm The 30-Year-Old Assistant because that's what you have to do. You have to come in as an assistant. It, it really kind of had to start over and, and work my way up. And I think that those skills just have sort of been something that has been consistent throughout my career. And then we moved to the Bay Area from New York when I was pregnant with my daughter, and I, we wanted to move to the West Coast. There aren't a lot of fashion jobs out here, and so I started to think more broadly. Um, and I really wanted to go to a startup, and I did that for a year and saw kind of the ins and outs of that and ultimately ended up at Sephora. But at one point, um, I thought I was living my dream you know, dream job, dream career. And I just hadn't factored in having two small children and what that would mean for going into the office every single day, traveling all over the world as we were launching brands, which is very exciting, but also really draining. And I finally just decided to let it all go, take a step back and reassess what was important in my life because I felt like what I was doing was sitting in meetings all day long. And I was once again in this place where, how did I get here? This isn't really what I want. And and what am I going to do to change this? And I feel like we've all had that moment since the pandemic hit. And I feel a lot of people are experiencing that same thing. And it was in that time off that I tried riding an e-bike for the first time and just had this light bulb go off that this product is So incredible, you know, when you're riding a bike up a hill, like it's nothing. It's it's everybody has the same smile on their face. Rebecca, have you ridden an e-bike? I was going to tell you a
0: funny story. Last weekend, I twisted my ankle. I fell down some stairs and I couldn't walk at all. And then I was dying. After being at home all day on Saturday, my mom has an e-bike, and so she said, "You won't have to pedal. Maybe you can just go on a bike ride and get out and get some air." And so, not pedaling. I was able to ride and take a family bike ride and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to get my bike from you guys because I feel like, you know, that's going to be how I'm going to get to the office now, especially with, you know, when we reopen and New York's back to some semblance of, of you know, people going in. I used to ride a regular bike all the time before I had kids. And then I moved to Brooklyn and there's quite a big hill that I have to climb and I don't like arriving to the office full of sweat.
1: Exactly. So this
0: this will be perfect for me.
1: It will. And it was that, I think it was the first time I rode one up a hill. You know, I, I got a big cargo one that I could take my kids to school on. I just thought, this is so relevant. And I know so many people who would love this. And why does nobody know about it? I, I started to do some research. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. But just that feeling and that smile and everybody has the same reaction. So I purchased a couple e-bikes to test them and I had my some friends ride them and everybody had the same reaction. So I felt like I was onto something. But the problem was there wasn't one that you would necessarily want to be photographed on. There wasn't one that looked like, you know, if I were to go on Instagram or at the time, it was a couple years ago Pinterest and look at, just type in the word bicycle, you'll see essentially something, you know, a lot of like, Dutch cruisers with pretty flowers in the basket. And then if you go in and type in e-bike on Google, you're going to see something very different. It's like a kind of hybrid, wanting to be a motorcycle or just just very aggressive, masculine. And I thought, well, that's probably a reason that people aren't seeing this and saying, hey, let me jump on this. It's not very inviting, especially to the, I was thinking I'm going to market to the person I've been marketing to for the last 15 years, who I know really well. What's the bike that they would want to ride uh, to and from the office? How am I going to get my friends to, you know, get out of their cars and and get on a bike? As the first question you asked me is, are you an athletic enthusiast? And I'm, you know, more from a, a fan or a watcher standpoint, but certainly not myself. And so I'm designing this for me and my friends who are more your average girls and like and like doing you know, like to go out and bike ride, but we also like doing our workout classes and stuff like that. So, you know, it's like you have to have a place for your coffee cup. Um, you know, where are you gonna put your purse? These are all questions. And I think I had an aha moment, Rebecca, actually back to what you were saying about I don't want to sweat. You know, one of my first conversations with a guy who worked in the industry talking to them about you know, why are there not more options, especially for women and for casual riders. I brought up the fact that, you know, a man can go, can ride for an hour. You know, my husband would do it sometimes over the bridge into the office, quickly shower and be kind of at his desk in five minutes. And for a woman, that's just, it's going to take longer than that. And it's not really worth it to have to do that someplace else. And he just said, oh, I never thought about that. And it, and to me, I got that a lot. There was a lot of very obvious things that I saw that, you know, e-bikes were missing. And it just people were not thinking about it from that perspective. And so the more I researched it, the more I just felt compelled that this product needed to exist. And I'm looking around like, well, who's going to do this? Ultimately, I realized it was me.
0: So what was that process like convincing people? I'm assuming you raised money. How did you use your marketing strengths to sort of lead that? Well, I didn't raise outside funding. Yay. That makes me so happy. Let's let's dive into that because almost everyone that I have on the podcast raises an obscene amount of money. So tell me how you did it.
1: So my husband had been involved in um, an IPO and had subsequently, there was some negative fallout from that. And I had just seen what could happen if you gave control over to a board of directors or something like that. And I knew that my vision was very unique and it was not going to be easily understood. And I also did not, having made a lot of PowerPoint presentations in my life, I did not want to spend time making board decks, worrying about all the stuff. So the question was, was really to my husband and with our personal finances, which isn't, you know, we're not like loaded or any, by any stretch. So this is definitely an investment for us to say, Hey, could we start with a seed amount? It's not going to be as big of a vision to start, but let's just start small and build something, test it, get people's feedback. And if it does well, then we'll put more in and um, grow it organically. And let's make a goal of this to retain control. And if the business can fund itself, to do that as long as possible until it became just so clear that that either we wanted to really expand it at a much faster rate and there was an opportunity, you know, we'd be open to that in the future, but really to like make sure that this was not just a presentation when I went, you know, if I'm going to go to outside funding, this is a business. And so that was a strategic decision that we made. And so it started there. And I I got to work on designing my first prototype. Uh, We're doing a lot of research, traveling around the world. you going to bike shows. So I think there was a lot to learn. And that was another factor in doing research. E-bikes had completely taken off in Europe and had taken over the market in a very short time period. I think when I was first looking in, it was you know 30% of the German market, then it became 60% of the German market. And in the US, hovering at like 2 to 3%. So there seemed to be some big opportunity and some proof already that this concept, once it took off, was working. And um, I thought that's a very interesting stage for a technology to be at, where you're trying to get, it's very niche, and you're trying to get it from an um, early adopter phase to kind of an early majority, it seemed like it was a big opportunity to go after.
0: I love that. When you launched, what were sort of the go-to-market strategies that you feel like maybe my listeners could benefit from, um, just because a lot of my listeners are either thinking about becoming an entrepreneur or are one already? Um, what were some of the things you did early on that were really helpful in getting you sort of set apart from all the other eBay brands?
1: There's a book called The Lean Startup. Uh, It's been around for years. And in one of my companies, I worked at that startup for a year. The founder had asked me to read it. And I I really, a lot of the principles I really believe in. And it's about getting together a prototype, getting it to market quickly, getting feedback and response, not trying to come up with the most perfect plan that ever existed. And, you know, that was, that's kind of a very slow uh, and bureaucratic process, which I've seen slow companies down and it's frustrating. So to me, it was just about make decisions, get something. So the first thing I did it, and start simple. So I think the best advice I got, cause it's very overwhelming. How am I going to design a bike, an e-bike no less when I don't have any bike industry experience and I'm not even a Passionate cyclist, you know, it seems a little, seems like most people would sort of stop there. <laughs> so maybe that tells you I'm a little crazy. But first step was, and this is, I went to my local bike shop and he's been an amazing partner in all of this. And I started asking a ton of questions and figuring out what were the aspects of the aesthetic I was going for. And also the number, uh, the most important thing is what is the aspect of the ride and the feel. And so he said to me, go ride, go around the city and ride and test every single e-bike there is. And that's what I did. I went into shops and guys in bike shops tend to like to talk. And I spent a lot of time in that first maybe three months just gathering data and allowing myself that time to do it and getting and listening to people and getting the insights. And what I concluded was that the bike industry at the time, a couple of years ago, things have changed a little bit, was a little bit declining in the U.S. and, and sort of and had not definitely not had not grasped onto social media or anything like that and was in this awkward phase of having been pushed to the side a little by cars you know from a commuter perspective mainly focused on this sort of sport aspect and like getting very very niche about you know some crazy part that's gonna like make your bike lighter or faster up a mountain that's appealing to a very kind of small group of people and and kind of forgetting that broader more casual audience and so that's where I continue to feel like there's an opportunity here. And then I just, I purchased, I don't know, six e-bikes. Yeah, you know, That was a small investment, but it wasn't, it's still not a ton. And had my friend start riding him. And lo and behold, the cheaper, there's two ways you can do e-bikes. You can do, and you'll see a price difference. So if you see anything kind of under two grand versus kind of three grand or up, it has to do with the motor and the motor, Either can be on one of the hubs, which is kind of the very the first way of doing it, old way of doing it, and um, cheap way of doing it, or it can be in the center, called a mid drive, which is what Blue Jay has. And the thing was that all my friends who were not bike enthusiasts and that who were also casual riders, all gave me the same feedback, which is that they could tell the difference. They could tell the difference in the ride, and they would be willing to pay more. For something that was quality, because they knew they were going to be writing it, and they knew that that would pay off very quickly. And so it became clear, especially blue Jay, we wanted to be about great value, but also quality and style. And so I had a lot I had a kind of a big order of things that I wanted to put together. But I think, you know, getting that early feedback from my inner circle was such a great way. and I think everybody can do that. and and that's a I think that's a great way to start. And so, At any, you know, at any point I felt like I could, hey, if this turned out not to be a great idea, I I could stop. But I was looking to get sort of data points along the way that would help me instead of trying to make, you know, decision number 10 on day one, I just trying to make decision number one on day one. And then what path does that lead me to and take it step by step? Otherwise, it's completely overwhelming. And so that's what I did. And I actually went, I brought a frame back from Denmark. I brought a bike on a plane and I found a local guy who does welding and, and he put the, uh, a motor on it for me and we sort of built one like that. And then ultimately I had said, okay, it's time for me to figure out and get into a manufacturer. And that's when I started really networking my way into Taiwan.
0: This last year has been incredibly hard on all of us, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, and that is why I am so excited to tell you about my new book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. I wrote this book because on my journey, there have been so many times where I've been at the fork in the road and I wasn't sure which way to go. And I wrote it so that I could give you the insight I've learned over the last 15 years on how you can navigate these times and any hard times or just life with confidence and create a successful future for yourself. You can pre-order the book now wherever books are sold and then email me the receipt fearless at rebeccaminkoff.com to unlock $25 credit on my site as well as get the first half of the book digitally. So I urge you order the book today and let the fearless journey begin. My next question would be: What has been the biggest challenge of launching this and having your own company?
1: Um, I think that the the biggest challenge has always been and continues to be: if you want something done, it's on me to make it happen. When it's your business, everything comes back to you, and you have to make that happen. So I think that that's really a difference: is, is when you're with you know a team of people, and you can have different. Things to lean on. And I, you know, I know as I build this company, we'll develop, you know, more of the layer of leadership. But it can be a little bit lonely at times. I remember I was flying back from Taiwan and I was reading Phil Knight's book about his whole path starting Nike. And it struck me that. I felt a lot of the same things, you know, that I am creating something new and it's my vision, but because of that, it can be lonely. And so I think it's, you know, finding ways to bring other people into the fold and especially in areas where I really trust. I have a lot, I have a great team around me, um, but we're all remote and um, most are on a contract basis and that's really working right now for us. And I can tap into people with different areas of expertise, but ultimately it's, you know, this is, this is still on me to make this reality happen. And so you have to, I think, continually find like light that fire, be someone who can kind of light your own fire and pick yourself up when, when, you know, when you kind of feel like you have a setback. So I love
0: asking uh, all my guests the same two questions because the answers are always so different and varied, but what is something we'd be surprised to know about you?
1: Um, I think the people who know me won't be surprised, but I think other people will be surprised. I am completely obsessed with cheese and I'll eat it any time of the day. I consider myself a cheese connoisseur, every grilled cheese on the, and this is not fancy. This is like macaroni and cheese, grilled cheese, anything. It's just, that's my complete heaven.
0: I love that. What is a piece of advice that either you've learned through this journey or that someone gave you that you feel is really valuable that you, that my listeners could
1: apply? There's different avenues and there's different advice out there and it's hard to boil it down to one, but I do think that And I think we've had more time to think about this with the pandemic, but I do think it's important, you know, especially if you're ambitious and you can get caught up in that goal of trying to not necessarily living in the moment because you're always sort of striving to achieve something. And I would just say, man, it goes by fast and you've got to think about it as what am I doing every day? Am I doing what makes me happy on a daily basis? Do I find fulfillment? And you're not going to, I mean, I'm not saying you have to be in an amazing mood all the time because that's unrealistic, but value your time on a daily basis, not on you know where you're going to be in, in five years.
0: I love that. I think that's really important. Well, thank you so much. It was great to connect
1: and everyone check out Blue Jay Bikes. Thank you, Rebecca. You're definitely an inspiration and I appreciate you inviting me on. Of course. Nice to talk to you.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to head over to RebeccaMinkoff.com. Show your love and support for the brand. Buy something for yourself. Buy something for another. And also don't forget to try my new fragrance. Again, it is available at all Nordstrom, Macy's, Scentbirds, and Birchboxes, as well as our site.